0: Welcome to the Rhode Island Right to Bear Arms Network, a show dedicated to gun rights in the state of Rhode Island. My name is Glenn Valentine. I am the Vice President of the Rhode Island Fire Owners League and the President of the Rhode Island Second Amendment PAC. folks. Welcome back to the Rhode Island Right to Bear Arms Network. My name is Glenn Valentine. I'm the vice president of the Rhode Island Fire Mornings League. I am the president of the Rhode Island Second Amendment PAC. So for today, my, my the topic I'm going to discuss today is, is, is the one bill that's been submitted up in the General Assembly so far. So this is, what, the third week in, in January now. Uh, and so there's a bill that's been submitted. It's... it's, it's uh, no carrying, uh, you know, no carrying of firearms on school grounds for p- folks that have concealed carry permits, and this bill's been pushed over the last several years, uh, and I'll get into why that's the case and why this, what the catalyst was for this bill, and then where I think it's going to go, and in my experience um, in education, as some of you guys might know, I am a teacher, and so. I'll talk a little bit about my perspective as far as being a teacher and what this means and my experiences in education that uh, tell me that this bill is, is you know, a nonsense bill and really is, is there's no, it's not necessary. In any context, regardless of whether you're someone that works in a school or not. Before I start, uh, I just want to make sure folks subscribe to the podcast. And and I know some folks have reached out and asked about getting it on the different platforms like iTunes. And I'm on Spotify. uh, I'm on some of the other ones, Google. But I, I submitted my my um podcast to Apple twice and I haven't heard anything back from them. So I'm not certain why, but maybe I didn't do something right. If anyone knows, uh, feel free to reach out to me and let me know. But anyway, so it's you know it's important obviously that we have folks that are that are um you know in tune with what's going on and this isn't the only avenue, but there's it's just one of the pieces. So sign up for emails. If you go out, out to um our webpage, uh the Rhode Island Fire Motors League, if you follow our page um, you can also go to rifirearmsrights.org and you can submit your information there, so you'll get updates on things related to legislation. and, and come election time, it would be election-related stuff. Also, you can text RI Gun Rights to 88202 and share that uh, so that we can send text messages out in situations where you know time is the essence when there's hearings at the state house, uh, in particular. So, uh, check those things out. Uh, make sure you're you're following. I know if you, a lot of folks. Uh, there's a lot of new gun owners out there, and so pass on to them because I know folks often ask, you know, what, what, what is, it? where do we get information from? And so uh, get those folks on, you know, point them in the right direction so they know where to go. Also make sure if you sign up for text messages at the end of this month, I'm going to do a drawing for 300 rounds of Winchester white box 9mm. Uh, and so if, you, if, you, if you're hurting for ammo and, and you're looking to snag some, Make sure you 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 text RI gun rights to 88202. If you're already in there, I know some folks signed up years ago. Um, you're already in there, so you don't need to do it again. Anyway, so back back to the main topic here. And so, uh, you know, the the legislative session is started, and it's kind of a wonky session in a sense that they don't have any hearings that you you can attend. So everything's virtual, and no like really hot bills have turned up yet. So. You know, it is kind of interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they actually start to have hearings on bills where people want to go in and testify in large numbers. In the past, we've had a big showing at the State House, usually. You know, the the, the gun folks, the, the gun crowd, the gun community, wherever you want to call ourselves, um, you know, we show up in, in increasing numbers every year. You know, it was the first year in 2013, it was about a 1,000, and it waned for a couple of years because the impression was not much was going to happen. But the last five or so years, we've seen thousands of gun owners show up and literally two or three dozen of the folks that support the anti-gun agenda. So that's different this year naturally because of COVID, and so we have to adapt. To that and we're really not certain what that looks like. Will folks still be asked to come out to the state house or out to the places where the legislature is actually hearing these um, these bills? I know the house and the senate is split up between the Veterans Memorial, um, the uh, theater over right around the corner from the state house, and then um, I think the senate is in uh, is is in Roberts Hall at, at Rhode Island College, and so. You know, we're not really certain what's going to happen yet. Um, will they even hear these bills? Who knows? You know, they may just decide, do the right thing and, and know that folks really can't engage. I know the new speaker has said that he wants public input. And so, you know, I can't imagine the public input is going to be what it, is, what it normally is if, if folks have to tune into a Zoom call or you know, I'm just not really certain what that would look like. And now, so the first bill was submitted. Um, one of the things that they've pushed over the years, and this is the topic for this podcast, is the bill that um, centers around, uh, I, think, I believe it's Senate Bill 25 right now. It's the first bill that's related to firearms. I could be wrong on that number. I'm kind of shooting from memory here. But anyway, um, it's it's focused on this idea that uh, people that have concealed carry permits are somehow a threat on school grounds. And so, you know, this bill, it, it's, since 1790, a little bit of, you know, not history, but um, since 1790, there's been no regulations, or there've been some form of of uh, folks being able to carry firearms on school grounds. So it was never against the law until the mid 90s when the, these mass shootings took place in schools, and so the General Assembly changed the law to make it a felony for anyone that actually you know walked onto school grounds with a firearm. And there's some exemptions for training and 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 different things that might happen, RITC, but um. As far as concealed carry goes, they put an exemption in there that basically said that if you have a permit to carry a firearm, uh, either through 1147-11 or 114718, 18 or if you're a police officer... Um you you can still carry a firearm on school grounds that's been the case since the mid 90s we've never had a situation that anyone can point to or at least no one has pointed to any situation since 1790 where someone took a firearm and did something inappropriately with it while on school grounds uh, so they've they've pushed this bill over over the last maybe seven or eight years maybe maybe less um, but the the catalyst for this bill really was um, that the coalition against gun violence and Moms Demand Action in Rhode Island, uh, really, uh, I think we're surprised at at how little progress they made in the beginning, considering that Rhode Island is a fairly blue state. And so, they retooled their position and picked a bill that they would would ultimately make folks that didn't support it look horrific in the eyes of the media. So when you vote against a bill or you don't support a bill that would disallow firearm possession on school grounds, it conjures up an image of someone you know that's there to do harm to students and, and, and faculty. And and so it, the bill doesn't do that. That is still against the law and it has been for over two decades. They've pushed this bill for the last several years hard. They've taken out radio ads. They've taken out newspaper ads. Um, they've got ads that show, you know, the comparison between hunting ducks and, and, and deer and, and hunting children. It's just, it's just, you know, it is is everything that they accuse us of doing in terms of propaganda. They do. They're funded heavily by outside organizations. That's public information but yet they accuse us of being the corporate gun lobby. You know, when I when I interviewed Representative Mike Chippendale, we both chuckled over this notion of the corporate gun lobby. The gun lobby in this state, I, I'll call it that because it's just, you know, that's what I'm accustomed to calling it now and then that's what people, you know, when they think of gun organizations that's what they think of, but, you know, even I sort of fall for it, but the gun lobby in this state is made up of folks that aren't paid to do what they do. Um, they, they, they advocate for gun rights. I mean, it's all the folks that are involved. It's not just, you know, what no, somebody would normally think is the National Rifle Association funding someone to come here and lobby. It's all of the folks that don't get paid to do what they do, contrary to what the other side has where they're funded heavily. They have lobbyists, six lobbyists in total that are paid very well to do what they do and if they don't get results, then they get their funding pulled. So they focus on these small bills that are associated with things like banning ghost guns and outlawing CCW on school grounds or these Protect Rhode Island Families Act. They push these bills and then when they get them through, ultimately they get more money to come back and lobby harder for the, for the bills that everyone really cares about. And I'm not saying you shouldn't care about no guns on school grounds. But when that that's chalked up as a win for the other side, they're going to get more money to fund their lobbyists to come back here and now push to expand that in other places, not just in schools, or to push for the big bills like you know magazine capacity and, and so-called assault weapons. But if and if you think about this though, so really, I mean, is there even a need to say that guns need to be regulated on school grounds? If someone is going to a school for the purposes of harming people, and they've committed in their in their demented brain that they're going to commit a horrific act do you really think that a a sign on the door and this goes for all places where they've outlawed concealed carry or the possession of firearms does anyone think is it rational to think that someone is going to see a sign and that's going to deter them from committing that in addition to the horrific act you know things that they were they had planned on doing it's absolutely ridiculous but i'll tell you and this, this ties into this idea that we, we often, you know, scoff at the other side because they write legislation that has an impact on us that's, that's, you know, has unintended consequences. And we'll talk about the background system in another podcast, but there's all sorts of things happening now because of that legislation and the unintended consequence. And so with this bill, you know, imagine the unintended consequences associated with no concealed you know, carry on school grounds. So, you're not a threat, but for whatever reason, let's just say it passes in the form that it's in now. It creates two sort of, uh, I guess, situations that are worse than someone walking in a school with a firearm that's concealed to pick up their their either their son or daughter or their husband or wife. Um uh, you know, a firearm in a holster is the safest place for that gun to be outside of it being locked up in a safe somewhere. And, and so imagine now, based on this current iteration and the one we saw last year and I think the year before that, where they, they've made this exception uh, where you can keep the gun loaded, I'm sorry, unloaded and locked in your car, which means that someone has got has to take that gun out of a holster, right? They've got to unload that firearm. They've got to take it and store it somewhere in their car. They've got to leave that firearm unattended in a parking lot or on the street somewhere. Um, then they come back out with their child or their husband or wife, and they reload that firearm and then drive off. And so, you know, things happen with firearms that are unfortunate and, and you know, negligent Accidental, whatever you want to call them, but the point is that a firearm in a holster is not going to discharge. There's no way for that to happen. But when you're handling a firearm in a situation, and, and imagine you're in a situation where there's other folks around, so you may some folks might be you know nervous handling a firearm when they think someone might see them in their car. Um, so that's when things are going to happen. So you've created now a much higher likelihood that you're going to have some sort of horrific situation, as opposed to just saying, we've never had a problem with people carrying guns in, in, in schools to retrieve someone uh, when it's holstered. Um, there's no need to notify anyone that you have that firearm. It's never been a problem, but it's entirely predicated on the sort of sensationalism of uh, legislators that are trying to, uh, sensationalize. not the right word, uh, trying to make legislators look like. They're irrational on the gun issue as if we're allowing people to go into schools to harm students. And the second thing this bill does is ultimately create a loophole for anybody to bring a gun on the school grounds, uh, regardless of who they are, um, if they keep it locked and unloaded in their car. So it doesn't delineate between, so like the minors in this state, imagine a minor, someone was, well under 21, um, brings a shotgun and keeps it in their car in the parking lot of the school. All right. That certainly isn't probably a good thing, or at least I, in my opinion, I'm not really certain the context of why someone would do that. But, you know, maybe they're going hunting after school. Maybe they're going target shooting. But the point is that the folks that drafted this bill certainly uh, didn't anticipate that that is, is potentially a, a loophole uh, that would allow a student to do that. So anyway, um Complete nonsense piece of legislation, and folks need to understand that this is entirely political. It has nothing to do with public safety. Regardless of how you feel about no guns on school grounds, you may not have a permit to carry a firearm. You may not think that this is a bill that's going to affect you or anyone else that that you know uh, is potentially affected by it. Um, however, you need to understand that this is. You know, one foot in the door, so to speak, on this idea that you, you know, now there's a place where you can't carry a firearm and you can't exercise that civil entitlement to carry your firearm for self protection. So, next it will be a grocery store. Maybe it's the mall. Maybe it's anywhere where there's any person other than you. And so, you look back to when some states pushed to get their concealed carry. Uh, laws passed in Georgia, for instance, in the 90s, uh, they had to create all sorts of ex- places where you couldn't go in order to make some folks happy with this idea that you could carry a firearm in public. So essentially, you could walk your dog at 2 a.m. if no one was around and you weren't in a park. Um, and ultimately, they, they, over the years, removed those exemptions. But that's, that's not where we want to be. We certainly don't want to be going the other way. So we know that the anti-gun folks in the state absolutely detest folks carrying firearms in public. Interesting enough, we've increased the number of gun permits in this state. What by two, three, four thousand percent over the last ten years or so, and we've not seen any individual with a permit that actually got in trouble doing something they shouldn't be doing. So the the, the data not only does it exist, it favors our position on this that we are the most well-behaved folks um, when when it comes to you know following any sort of laws and being law-abiding. You, you think about the things that they say uh, with respect to. Uh, folks with CCWs being untrained and not prepared to re- react in certain situations, they are superimposing on us what they think we would do, all right? Or they superimpose the worst case scenario so that they can push their agenda. So they assume that if you go to retrieve someone at a school and there's, God forbid, something you know horrific about to happen, that you're going to sort of like Yosemite Sam just start shooting in every direction um, doing all the things that they think you're going to do the fact is that you know gun owners historically i mean it's about your your protection of yourself and your family and your loved ones and 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 surviving it's not about being a superhero and they keep using this term of the the good guy with a gun which i think was coined by the NRA which is probably not a very good uh, i guess marketing strategy but they they've used that against us as if you know we think we're these vigilantes and the fact is that you would shelter in place like everybody Else, If you were in a school picking up someone and God forbid something happened, you would shelter in place in a classroom or wherever you are at that particular time, or you'd run. But if you sheltered in place, um, you're not going to have a gun out, you know, shooting in every direction, chasing down someone that's in a school doing something horrific if God forbid it came to using a firearm you know that situation will be you are barricaded in in the main office wherever you were when it happened and you would use your firearm to defend yourself or to stop an attack from someone that came through the door and had a gun pointed at you that was not a police officer it'd be fairly easy to figure that out and so I don't want to say it doesn't require any training but they often superimpose what law enforcement does in order to what they do in order to train and so you're not a police officer I'm not a police officer most Folks aren't. I don't know. Maybe you are a police officer if you're listening, but the point is that most of us are not law enforcement, and so our training isn't the same as a police officer. Police officer arrives on scene and if you look at the things that they do in training it's always predicated on you show up and you have to assess and assume that there's that any one of these par- participants in this whatever the situation is could be the attacker when you are a victim or you're in a group of victims you know who, who the good guy and the bad guy is the good guy is the guy with the ski mask or the shotgun shooting at other people innocent people that doesn't take the same training as a police officer it's different training so if they can make this argument in schools they're going to make this argument anywhere and eventually they'll make that argument so that you can't even own a gun in your own home because you're not trained the same way law enforcement are it's sort of like always sort of planning ahead for whatever these anti-gunners like what we think their next move is Um, you know it sounds I mean it's not it's not rocket science we know what they their objective is to severely limit the types of firearms you can have who can have them and where you can have them and this is just a one foot in the door, the camel's nose under the tent, whatever you, you know, whatever you want to refer to it as. Um, but you know what ultimately this would do is create those exa- those situations where you increase the likelihood of some sort of terrible situation happening with an accidental or negligent discharge outside of the school with that firearm, and then you create an unintended consequence of who can and can't carry firearms on school grounds looking back on these shootings that took place on postal uh, grounds these folks went in and I had researched several of them you know the, the the most you know I guess the most publicized ones at that time and out of like eight or nine of them all but one the person killed themselves and so and I think that person was intending to and and, and was stopped but the point is that person isn't going to be deterred by a sign when they go into a place and they, they're they're intent is to harm kill as many people as they can and themselves uh they're not going to be deterred by a sign but the interesting part is that it actually creates the inverse or, or a situation that that is uh ironic i guess not inverse isn't the right word um you can't carry a firearm in a place where at that time was the most likely place that you would have to protect yourself. So the irony is that the person who decides to go and harm folks isn't deterred by the sign that says, you know, whatever that penalty is. Yet you leave your gun in the car because you don't want to break the law, but you're in a place where you're likely to have to use it based on past activity. And so you look at what they're doing with schools. Um. Like I said, your your civil right to protect yourself doesn't end just because you're going on school property. In some cities and towns, school property is is the local shelter. Give you know, depending on what that what that situation would be, and so you know, a lot of times when we have. Chaotic situations, whatever disaster, insert whatever disaster those places was designated to be shelters for, um, that's the time you'd probably want to have a firearm and yet you wouldn't be able to because you'd be going on school grounds. Um, there are a lot of events on school grounds that are, that are not school related. Uh, so you, in my, in my town, we have a church. And that church probably has security. Uh, it's the New Life. I'm not sure. I think, I think it's the New Life something. And they, they have services on Sundays, Saturdays, and Sundays, I believe, and one of the two. But the point is that you know churches are the target sometimes of of these mass shootings. And now, based on what this law would do, they wouldn't have the ability to even have any sort of armed security there. So once again, it's a place where we've decided that you know we're at risk for these things happening, and I don't believe that that risk is very high, uh, regardless of what we see on TV. It's still something that's very rare. But these places that we've designated as places where you know, I guess the anti-gunners think it's likely to happen, they're fighting to try and strip you of the right to defend yourself in those situations, and so it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, as I I you know have said in the past, my my full-time career. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a full-time uh, physics teacher. And I, I, I um, you know, I certainly won't make reference to anything that takes place in the district where I teach for the obvious reasons. But I, I did for many years work in this city. I taught in Central Falls for many years. And, um, you know, I have a perspective on what I see happening in, in, in school every day. And when I was there, um, I you know, there were situations that were I guess emergencies. We had one situation where there was a fire, and so you you have fire drills regularly, and you know we all take those things. I guess um, you know we we do all the things we're supposed to do, not necessarily single file at high school, you know, at the high school level, but you know we do all the things that we normally do in a fire drill, and it's very sort of lax, you know, the atmosphere because we know it's a drill, and so there was one situation where there was a fire outside of one of the offices down the hallway and the hallway had smoke. There wasn't anything significant, but when the fire alarm went off, my students poured out into the hallway and the second they saw smoke, they went the wrong way. And my classroom was literally 20 feet from the outside door. And I've got kids going in the wrong direction because they're in a panic, right? Because they, you know, maybe they've had experience where it's you know, like this and they, they, they brought back memory, but for whatever reason I couldn't understand you know, why they went the wrong way. And it was, it was quite a few of them because others followed those kids. And so, you know, we have these things in place to prepare for bad things. And when it actually happens, uh, we kind of always, uh, you know, not always, but we, we sometimes resort to our, our lowest level of training or preparation and we do the wrong thing. You know, there were two other situations. So getting more into this sort of active, not active shooter, but situations where, Uh, There was an intruder in the building, and they weren't there for a good reason. I mean, it was a a man came in the building once, and where I teach, I was really close to the door, which was close, you know, right off of the street. And this individual came in. He was clearly not a student, and when a few of the teachers, myself and another teacher, had had approached him, he just, as if we weren't even there— You know, he walked right past us and he went from room to room to room. He was looking for someone, you know, after we, after he was arrested, Um, we found out he was looking for someone and he was in retaliation for something else. And he didn't have a weapon, but the point is he was a fairly large guy and, you know, we did what we did to kind of stop this guy and then had folks buzz the office. And 11 minutes later, the police responded. Right. And it was just because we had all these systems in place, but, you know, for whatever reason, when people panic, they don't do the things that they should be doing, and so the person that buzzed the office didn't talk to the right person, called guidance. What I don't know what the issue was, but eleven or ten or eleven minutes later, a police officer shows up. Now, my classroom door was about 120 yards from the police department. It was Central Falls High School, and so I could have gone to the police department and probably carried a police officer over on my back quicker than they got there because of the systems that we had in place that didn't work properly. And so, you know, again, you always sort of resort to your your lowest level, your weakest, you know, uh, uh, I guess your lowest level of training. I you know, had a very similar situation maybe a couple of years after that where it was actually at the end of the day, maybe a half an hour after school had had, had you know closed. And, and, and so it was a Friday afternoon and there was a man, again, a man that came in, was probably in his 20s, and I think I was probably close to his age as well. But um, he he come in the building and he grabbed the girl. It was they were clearly in a relationship, but he was physically dragging her out of the building. And so, you know, I I, I got in between the two of them, him and I. Had, you know, had a physical altercation. He wasn't a student, but there were two teachers in a room close to the door. Thankfully, so they had called the police or they'd called the main office. And you know, unfortunately, the the. Folks that are there that would normally handle those types of things weren't there, and so it delayed the response of police. And, you know, again, it could have been a a horrific situation had there been a weapon involved or the situation were much more serious. Now, my point is not to say that those situations would have been better if, in fact, anyone had a firearm. That's not the point. The point is that in situations um, where, you know, something like that happens, um, the the Ability for emergency personnel and the systems that are put in place don't always go, um, I guess, like you would want them to go. So now you'd, you'd be in a situation where you were, unfortunately being targeted by someone, whatever that situation may be, and you're at the mercy of the systems at that, that school district or what that local city or town has put in place. And, and again, from what I've seen when I worked there, um, the intentions, I mean, all the things were put in place, but they didn't function as um, we thought they would. So, you know, this, this bill basically, or basically it does violate your right to protect yourself. And so, you know, I know they've talked about sensitive areas where you can and can't carry firearms, but... You know, if they're deeming this to be, and the anti-gunners are so concerned that there's going to be some sort of mass shooting, and they don't want you to be there to actually be able to protect yourself because they're afraid of what you're going to do, um, that's 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 not that's not those two things are counter. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense. They don't. They can't exist coexist in the same line of thinking, right? If you're in a place where you're likely to be the victim, then that's the place where you should be carrying a firearm, or at least have the the choice to exercise that right. Uh, As far as teachers go, you know, I mean, one of the things I can tell you is that in this state, we don't have any protections. uh, If your employer decides that they want to terminate you because you are carrying a firearm or they find out you're carrying a firearm, you make even reference to carrying a firearm, I would imagine that could create some problems. Uh, But we don't have those protections i mean certainly you know we have case law that says in the mosby case that your 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 permit your 1147 11 issued permit is a it's that that process vindicates your civil entitlement to carry a gun and so if you are terminated wrongfully or at least you you're terminated you well, you could make the case that that was wrongfully done because you have that civil right uh, i wouldn't want to be in that position um so you know, I think I think it's you, you. You're carrying a firearm at your own risk in in, in any really biz, uh, business setting anywhere, really. But um, the reason why I say this is because there's no protection if you're a teacher and you make the decision to carry a firearm on school grounds, um, and your district has a policy against that, or even if they don't, I'm fairly certain they'd still terminate you. And and you know, you don't really want to mistake that that provision a law that says you can be on school grounds and not violate the law it exists like it exists now you you can legally go on to school grounds but um that 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 really is is a, you're taking a risk it's not a risk i would ever take um, because i i enjoy my uh, teaching and i i want to continue to teach and so I've, I've never you know carried a firearm in school grounds and nor would i and quite frankly i don't think and i folks might scoff at me for this but if teachers or any personnel on, on you know, employees for the school district, uh, the lunch lady, as the anti-gunners say, with a Glock, uh, you know, if anyone's going to carry a firearm on school grounds as a faculty member or in any employee, um, in my opinion— um, if anyone is, is going to have a firearm, I think that should be part of the plan that the district has. I, you know, it, it's different from a parent walking in, again, because if I'm picking up my son or daughter at a school and I'm just average citizen, I, you know, I, I'm going to probably do all the things I said in the beginning of this podcast. I'm going to shelter in place or I'm going to run, right? I'm not going to go and try and hunt down the person that's shooting or doing whatever. And so I think if, if personnel in a building have, uh, you know, they are the ones that are licensed to carry and, and they, they are carrying firearms, that that should be part of the school's plan because, you know, you're talking about having 1,200 kids in a building and, and, you know, how they do those lockdowns. And again, I'm not referring to where I work now. I'm just saying in general, um, the training that they have, or at least the preparations that they have, uh, don't, in, don't include folks in the building with firearms other than a resource officer. And so, you know, I, I the assumption would be that anyone in a, in, a, in a situation like that, that's not a police officer that has a gun, you know, could very likely increase, you know, the chances that they are, um, you know, considered to be a threat. And so I don't think that... Um, is a wise thing to do. I know, you know, the, the law, what you can do versus what you should do are two different things. And I'm not saying that teachers shouldn't carry firearms if that's part of what the district decides they want to do. Um, but, you know, it's it's not something that I, I would advise, at least in this state, because we have no no sort of protection for you to do that and not be terminated. You know, myself, um, it's one of those things where I, I don't... I guess I don't put a lot of thought into it because I don't really consider it to be as big a threat as folks make it out to be. And again, it goes back to some of the comments I made earlier and in other podcasts that a lot of these mass shooting situations are sensationalized by the media and they're still not likely to happen. And so I'd, I'd rather just, if I thought, there i would there was a situation where i would need to protect myself you know at that level if if teaching were that career where i i was constantly worried about my my safety i wouldn't do it um and again i taught in central falls and it's not certainly a dig on central falls but you know there were some challenges there um you know largely from folks that didn't go to the school I, i don't think i've really had many problems with kids actually in the building but i never felt threatened i never felt like my safety you know i was i was in jeopardy of, of being harmed by anyone on a daily basis even when we had these sensationalized shootings and maybe students make reference to committing these types of acts um, the likelihood is still so low that i don't think about it um, not to say that you know in your brain sort of mentally prepare for what you're going to do uh, and then there's you know the school's policy in terms of what they're going to do but if i felt as though i had to bring a firearm to school i, I just wouldn't go to school I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be a teacher um uh, so Again, everybody's different and 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 you know it's unfortunately in this state again, it's not something that you really want to do as an employee, but i mean that's it's entirely uh I guess you know we we as civilians you know and when, when you're not a teacher and you're a parent going into the building to retrieve your son or daughter um that's a different situation you know, and then the school, in my opinion, has no right to either know or to prohibit you from carrying that firearm on school grounds so uh, what can you do? So right now, literally, uh, there's one gun bill that's been submitted by the Senate president. So we, that's an indicator, you know, the progressives put a huge, huge pressure on him to sort of uh, absorb some of these more progressive, uh, I guess, uh, initiatives. And this is one of them. So they've pushed this hard over the last several years, and they think they're going to get this through. And on the House side, you know, I know the House Speaker has made reference to you know not being sold on things that won't necessarily solve a problem and this clearly is not a problem uh, regardless of what the anti-gunners tell you they've come up with one example of a teacher in Utah that shot a toilet Um, but that's in my opinion not sufficient enough to say that you know a million people in the state of Rhode Island have to comply with a, a nonsense law so what folks need to do is to send emails to their legislators, call their legislators and call the Senate president and call the house speaker's office and tell them that you don't support these initiatives and that it is a bogus initiative. And this is entirely a political stunt as we've said over the last several years. But unfortunately, if they get it through, uh, they'll just simply look for the next thing to outlaw. And again, um, they're going to get more money to do the things that they do and come back and press for bigger and badder legislation. So, uh, batter is that yeah, batter is a word. Anyway, so. Uh, anyway, any additional legislation. Uh, that's going to be filed. We'll keep you up to date on that. What you can do is just start pummeling your legislators with emails, just saying, don't even put your name on these bills, right? So, you know, there's been nothing submitted yet. The deadline's mid-February. They can get extensions, and they probably will. This session will be, like I said, wonky because of the fact that it's, it's, it's so different because of COVID. So I think deadlines are out the window, and, and, and we need to be especially careful uh, because I think that a lot of the legislators tend to think that they can sneak things under the radar when, when we're not allowed to go to the statehouse. So make sure that you send your legislators emails about all gun legislation, not just a concealed carry one. And, you know, just tell them, don't even support these things, that these things are nonsense, that we have no gun problem here in the state of Rhode Island, so to speak, uh, except for a handful of folks that break the law. And none of these initiatives will make a difference in terms of the behavior of those folks. And that's the part that... Most legislators already know and they're just getting pressure from the progressive left because the progressive left is all about getting wins and increasing their numbers. It has nothing to do with public safety, which is a horrific part because they leave their constituents thinking that something good happened. I know I often think back to Ted Kennedy and, you know, he, him and Chuck Schumer were lauded as these heroes of, of, of gun safety when they passed the assault weapons ban. They pushed to get the assault weapons ban in, in 94 and Regardless of how you feel about that legislation, I mean, I didn't support any of it naturally. But uh, when you look at all the loopholes and things that they put in that legislation, the bill really did nothing, right? So it didn't limit those types of firearms you could have. I mean, it changed the configuration of some of them, which could readily be converted back into what they consider to be an assault weapon. So they went back to the constituents and told them that they had an assault weapons ban um, that w- are going to save all these folks from 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 these things that were happening at that time. So. Your legislator is going to sign on to a no guns in school bill, and they're going to go back to their constituents. They're going to bullface lie to them and tell them that this thing I fought to make, you know, my, my state representative, you know, Justine Caldwell, is going to come back and say, I fought the NRA and I fought all these corporate gun lobby folks when that's actually complete bullshit. It's all a bunch of regular folks like me and you. Uh, But she's going to say that I fought the NRA and I stopped them from, you know, allowing these folks to go on school grounds with guns to harm children or whatever. She'll leave out the details, right? And not just her, many of these folks. um, They'll they'll say, I fought to make sure that folks can't bring guns on school grounds, which leaves their constituents thinking that prior to that legislation— Folks could just sort of show up at, sc- at school with firearms and, and, and commit whatever act they, they want to commit. And it's not a felony to actually have that firearm on school grounds. It's stupid because again, they're committing a horrific act. So that's not going to stop them, uh, but it leaves them with the impression that they've done something when they've done nothing. Right. So that's, that's to me uh, equally as bad as actually seeking to pass this stuff and, 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 and deny us those civil rights, uh, you know, pushing this propaganda, which they're great at doing, pushing this propaganda that makes their constituents think that they're actually doing something productive is is horrific. It's as horrific as as the things that they want to do to us. So, uh, check out um, our webpage. We'll be posting bills. I'll be sending out emails again. I, you know, I try not to send out too much stuff because I know folks you know, eventually start dropping off and, and they become numb to some of the things that we're sending. So, I think I, we need to increase some of the things we're sending out, but I think a lot of folks um, need to know that we've got to be ready for whatever they decide to do this session. Uh, make sure you sa- sign up for text messages, RI Firearms Rights to 88202, and check us out on Facebook, or you can go on rifirearmsrights.org, uh, you can go to rifol.org, uh, you can go to the Rhode Island Federated's website, se- web the Rhode Island Second Amendment Coalition Um, check out some of the things that are going on and just stay abreast of all the things that are going to happen this session, because this is a session that we really, you know, this is uncharted territory. All right. Tune in next time. Thanks. Take care.